Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A funny taste in music with Andrew Bird. Hello, 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 hello. Happy that one. Hello. Welcome to a funny taste in music. It's me, Andrew Bird. I am in my office uh, in the garden. Uh, I'm ploughing through this intro quick because I need the toilet. So, uh, but I've got a load of things I need to say. Now, I'll get through them quick because I know when you listen to a podcast and they start with a load of admin and you think, oh, just get through this shit, mate, or listen to the podcast. So, just a quick thing, though. Steve Hall was on uh, two weeks ago and he recommended a dvd music dvd anyone can play guitar it's about the oxford music scene i mentioned it last week that i got it from him he i didn't realize he got the man who made it who wrote and made it independently john spira his name is and he sent it me directly with a little note so i'd like to say thanks to john spira and i would recommend anyone who's in a music or has lived around oxford to watch anyone can play guitar it's independently made so it's not like all flashy camera angles and you know really good footage it's interviews of musicians who are around at that time like andy bell from ride who's in oasis and um a guitarist out of radiohead and loads of people in bands just doing interviews just chatting about the oxford music scene and it's good it's good hearing some of the bands that like you know didn't make it massive like some of the other bands and you hear some of the reasons why and you get to sort of like get really get an idea of what you know how some bands were just unlucky and it just never quite happened for them and uh, you know and some of them still look quite pissed off and they should be um some of them you know just a bit of shit organization they could have been massive um so it's a brilliant documentary so i really recommend watching that uh dan who was on last week jukebox what an episode um yeah he emailed me uh, a couple times after uh he, again he wants to apologize about getting the wrong uh, Chili Peppers album. Uh, he mentioned the wrong one. He's so embarrassed. But let's, you know, come on. He's a bit older now. He was tired. It was in the morning. He's not talked about music as much. He was like a boxer coming out of retirement for a big title fight. You know, he's not. He's not completely sharp. Um, so let's forgive that, can we? And I'd also like to say to uh, Nige Punk. I don't know his real name. He's on Twitter at Nige Punk. Um, 
Nigel, I imagine his Nigel probably his name is. But if you're into punk, you're not going to go. You're not going to go to Nigel, are you? You're going to be Nigel. Um, Big N. Um, he he's a regular listener. He tweets me. He likes the episodes every week, and he's a postman. So I reckon that makes him an expert in podcasts. You're going to listen to a few podcasts if you're a postman. Do you know what I mean? So I took it as a big compliment when he said he likes the podcast. He he had he was being he's been ill and he's in hospital and he tweeted me. So I'd like to say hello to Nigel. Hope you're feeling better, mate. Hope you're enjoying these and you're recovering well. Uh, thanks for listening. Keep listening. Um, now, so this week, are oh, you going to enjoy this? one Nigel this week's John Richardson um I I've known John since uh, we started around the same time and we did a package show in Edinburgh together in 2005 called the big value and it was a struggle and we used to moan together about it and that's how we got on from moaning and that's pretty much how we still get on from moaning um John I'll say this I told him I'll do his intro while he's not there I'm like a fan of him as a stand-up, even though I do stand-up. That's how good he is as a stand-up. All right? I said it. Um, he's just got a clear voice. You know what I mean? A clear. You just want to hear his opinion on stuff. Quite often, I don't. I might not agree with his opinion, but I bloody like hearing it. It's funny. Um, he, uh, he, he says during this episode he's not a music fan, but it's a, it's a weird... It's a good point he brings up about... He doesn't think he's got a good taste in music, but then he is a music fan. He's got a brilliant story, a great anecdote about being invited to see Prince at a private gig and being recognised by Noel Gallagher. A story slightly fucked up by my pissing dog barking in the background, but John, like a pro, just ploughed through the story manfully, thinking this is a great anecdote. I'm not having it ruined by a dog good on him for that uh also a cracking story about him not going to see oasis for fear of getting hit with piss and i agree with him and disagree with him completely for not going to see oasis um but yeah always great fun talking to john so please welcome after some adverts necessary for this podcast happening let's not let's not forget that uh please welcome john richardson a funny taste in music the interview next Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're talking at some point, you just see me edge out because I've gone <laughs> They're heating off because I'm sweating, but at the moment the arm's freezing and at any point you might hear Tony's here, he might get up. You might hear him I rustling heard about. To let the dog out, I listened to the. Was it the Rod Gilbert one? Oh, did you? Yeah, just, just, just see what you're up to. See what you, see what you're up to. See what your plan is. What's this all about? Is oh, it prep? I prepping for this or? or yeah. do you, oh, all right, no. lovely. Yeah, I, I went on Rod's uh, podcast and I said, he said, have you heard the show? I went, yeah. And he went, what one? <laughs> and then I made the mistake saying last week. So he went, did you just listen to that because you knew you're on it? I went, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, f- for a moment there, yeah, he thought I was a fan. <laughs> I found with this, I thought I'd want to, you'd think you'd want to get people on that, you're going to agree completely on music, but I found it's a lot more enjoyable to get people on. That I mean, Marcus Birdman, that was just an argument for an hour. I enjoyed that. And, um, and he's much like you in that he's very opinionated about music. And um, and I, from you, Crowded House, I've always absolutely loved and find it, I find it confusing the people who don't like them, but it's really don't I like them. I don't like it. I've just never met anyone who is so passionate about Crowded House. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah, it that... makes me like you more that, you know, if you were to say what what's the band, you know, you would die for. You you would say crowded house, and I just think that's wonderful, and I think it should be celebrated, and more people should know that. <laughs> this is not the attitude you've given me in the past about it. <laughs> well, I tell you what it is with me and music, and the, the reason I'm nervous about this podcast is because you can really be wrong about music, and there's such a, a coolness, and people are so passionate about it. And I, I mean, no bones about it, my musical taste is dog shit. It's absolutely awful. You know, like sometimes you meet people, and their kids will only eat like cheese sandwiches on white bread and they yeah. go well that's all they'll eat and you think well you've fucked up because yeah. you haven't you know that's not normal that's me for music all i eat is cheese sandwiches on white bread and maybe some quavers as like a little bit of you know i really like bad music and i'm very I, i'm defensive when people talk about music because i know i'm going to get in trouble and the years working at six music were amongst the most tense of my life because oh, I was just God, thought yeah. God I'm going to get in a lift one day and Stuart McConey's going to be in there and he's going to go bang favourite Beatles album and you can't pick the white album and I'm going to be like oh shit <laughs> you sound like Alan Partridge to be like well surely it's the best of the Beatles the clues in the title it's all the best songs <laughs> yeah you shouldn't have been in that building in many ways should no, you no well I was there at the time they were going to close it and there was the big protests and you, I felt like a fucking mole on the inside I was like I'm who they're talking about you know when they go I mean, it should be a station for people who love music we've got to get all these bloody comedians out of there and I was like well yeah but where am I going to go? No one else will have me. There isn't like a... There was seven we was just starting, the comedy station. But you can't do a live... You know, you don't do like a three-hour stint on Sunday morning and play your favourite comedy routines because most of them are profane and filthy. Yeah. You can't, you can't slip three minutes of George Carlin in at like 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But, you know, it was, I was constantly worried about getting discovered. And I, I think they knew that I wasn't one of them. Yeah, I think Russell probably would have grasped you up to someone. 
I can yeah, imagine. Well, they knew all of us. We just got, they stopped listening to us. I, just... can ima- I can imagine Russell Grass and you up just sidling up to. Yeah. S- sidling up to someone and going, you know he likes the Eagles, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You know he doesn't go to live gigs. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. like the travel. this is another thing i was looking forward to talking to you about because it i uh i find that excruciating i love music obsessed with it but when people go on about festivals i'm like i can't think of anything worse than that i mean live gigs in even the indoor ones i do find a bit difficult i find that a bit hard work but i can i can handle them but what what before we get to that why why then i mean if you you can't think it's a bad taste of music if you like it. We're- yeah, but uh, the fact that I like it is, you know, is not a good sign. The best, the best album <laughs> I've ever had <laughs> was it came free with when we first. <laughs> this is this is a good start. <laughs> I'm not on a newspaper, not with the Daily Mail, was it? No, no. Oh, thank God. Go it came free with the first PC we bought. My mum's boyfriend at the time was into computers, and he bought a PC quite early on. And it came with a free, it was four CDs, and it was called Atmospheric Synthesizer. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's synthesizer tracks, um, like film scores, like the theme from Rain Man. Um, and there's a version of Takata in Fugue on there, all played on that synthesizer. And it was to, it was for nerds of the 80s to think, yeah, I'm going to produce my own records from home. But honestly, it's just, it makes me feel so good. It makes me feel like I'm in an 80s movie, like driving to gigs or just walking about. That's how I want to feel. I want to feel like, you know, I'm about to have an emotional sort of scene with Tom Cruise in the rain when I <laughs> end up hugging. Um, <laughs> I mean, just, if that's what you're taking for music, then that surely that's a good thing. That shouldn't be criticised, but it is odd. I mean, I've never heard anyone say <laughs> they really like 80s synthesizer music. Oh, it's just a wonderful that that I played it on Six Music, and I, at Six Music I was allowed one track a week. That was the deal. So the the producer would pick all the tracks. Yeah, I heard your podcast with Rod Gilbert, and that conversation about him saying, "Oh, he got really into French tech." You know, he was listening to techno, and that would feed me into, like, you know, Bavarian. Absolutely not. No way. I was gigging during the week. I didn't have time to be researching, you know, Mexican tuba music or whatever. So the producer (laughs) would pick all the tracks, and I was allowed one a week. And I had to introduce it by saying... I'm really sorry, but this is the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's not your classic radio DJ intro. I'm sorry about this, everyone, but... Yeah. Uh... Six music fans turn off for three minutes, go and have a cup of tea, and I played the version of Takata and Fugue and just absolutely baffled. And I, I honestly couldn't understand... How do you not think that's one of the best pieces of music? I mean, the Takata is an amazing piece anyway. That, combined with the 80s synth... It was just an absolute. It was almost like an out-of-body experience. If you're if you're a, a, a nerd born in the early eighties, that's yeah. like your. It's too much for me to handle. It's too much color and sound. I need to go and sit in a dark room for a minute. I could, yeah, to me, eighties synth sends a shudder through through my spine. That that was that on <laughs> top of the pops. Anything with eighties synth, the music yes. I like was trying to stamp that out. No, Mark Almond and all that. Um, I, uh, just superb. The days of Pearly Spencer. I, I love that track. Right. I, got, I got to work with Mark. Well, I say I got to work with Mark Armand. I was on the one show with him. I don't think that means we've technically collaborated. Yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know, just to be in the. But you can't. You get to a certain age where you can't say to someone, um, 
I liked you when I was a kid because musically that's sort of like saying before I had a palette you know yeah but the the music I got into when I was a kid because when you a kid you just uh, music's supposed to be fun so when you're a yeah. kid you know my mum was listening to a lot of madness and that is yeah. like it, it seems a disservice to say to them it's obviously not music for kids because the songs are about like depression and yeah the rain and cardiac arrest i loved that just where you got the dum 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 of the heart oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it was it's so much fun as a kid to think oh well, that, you write a song about a depressed man having a heart attack on a bus because he hates his family and he, he can't <laughs> finish the crossword and then he dies that was like that was like a cartoon i like songs you can picture so like right. they like films because that's why as you know i like the eagles because yeah Every song is like a little film. It's like a little three and a half, four minute movie that you get to enjoy in your head. And the Madness songs were just like, this. the sounds are so much fun. That's a great songs. description of music. It's a little film in your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, could, I can still picture now being, I don't know what I'd have been like, six or seven and listening to my mum's Madness album. And I could picture the guy on the top deck of the bus and it's raining and he's got the crossword and he's yeah. on the to work and then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh lovely lovely little track for a seven-year-old yeah then he's absolutely. dead but yeah. no you're right though because if you notice that um with your daughter i've noticed that with my boys that the music songs that you put on and you see them instantly sort of like a, one of them noise activated flowers they just come to life at it and i've i've done that where i can't remember i can't remember an example but a band where oh blossoms i remember i did i was doing warm-up for pointless and blossoms were playing the celebrity one and there's a blossom song that's brilliant and they love it they're obsessed with it it's just got a really like that a real childlike um catchy tune to it and i had to stop myself from saying to them my nine-year-old and six-year-old absolutely love but i think that's a compliment because when you're a kid you haven't got any um, any prejudice. It's just primal, isn't it? What you like. Yes. I think, well, I think it's more of a compliment. I uh, I mean, you will obviously have songs that you don't play for your kids because you'll be like, oh, I'm saving that album for when they're a bit older. Or you will hope, obviously, that your boys develop a, an eclectic musical taste that you can like. I imagine you as the sort of dad where you'll go to gigs together. And I the problem so. with my daughter is she's four now. Our musical taste now is exactly in sync. <laughs> so in about a year, <laughs> I've got about a year before she's cooler than me and she's having to say to me in the car, come on, Dad, can you just put something, you put something decent on with some soul? Right now, we love the same music. And by that, I mean, we will listen to Crazy Frog in the car, unironically, <laughs> for like an hour. Not like... Not a crazy frog track, and then right. Anyway, you need to now listen that. to some Neil Young, so that yeah, you know yeah. what. Lucy is constantly; she's like the antidote. So she'll have to. I hear them like a Sunday morning when they're in the kitchen, and she'll get the Alexa out and she'll play like some classic soul and stuff like that to yeah. to sort of purify Elsie of the filth that I put in her ears while we're <laughs> driving. Like, and we'll listen to Crazy Frog for an hour, and sometimes Elsie will fall asleep. And I think, I'm just going to leave this on, because I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> Again, it, it's just fun. I, I, I really love the sort of, the lack of pretension of Crazy Frog. It's just like, it's such a piss take. It says, you know that song you worked on? I've replaced all the lyrics with the word ding. 
and um, I, it's just going to be something that well, there's a video of me riding around on a flying lawnmower while it's on <laughs> and, that, and that's the song <laughs> yeah you really uh, you do, you're not into any pretension with music at all no I do I mean there's stuff I like that w most people don't like but it's not um, the, the uh, when I the, the conversations that leave me cold are you know this 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 hunt for new music i just yeah. i don't get it like i just i've got enough i've got <laughs> all, the, all the albums i've got will do me if i'm in a certain mood i know the the album i need to either change it or properly wallow in it so that's why i like anthony and the johnsons because if i'm feeling a bit mardy i don't think right i've got to sort my head out i just think right let's fucking do this so yeah, yeah i will drink a bottle of red wine and i'll put on anthony and the johnsons and i'll be like you know you've got to get it out of your system you can't hide from it if you're feeling a bit down go head on at it and and I, that's probably come from like when i was 17 and you learned to drive and i would listen to radiohead albums while driving i just go for a drive at like 11 o'clock borrow my mum's car and i'll be like i'm just going to drive around country lanes listening to radiohead and be a proper depressed teenager and then it's sort of out of my system so i'll still do that now i'll have like anthony and the johnsons but i'm aware that that's not it's not broad taste music but to me it's so crystal clear what the job of that is and i hear like you should have arguments when i lived with john robbins he used to talk about solving albums you say you've got to solve an album him and his friend robin you listen to it and you don't like it so you keep listening to it until you find the solution which is where you listen to it in a certain place or at a certain time or you listen to it after you've listened to something else or you read an article that goes with it so you understand where that musician was at when they wrote that album i was like how have you got time to put effort into liking stuff you didn't like surely if you put it on and you don't like it fuck it off put something else on but he would go at it and go at it and go at it until it became part of his sort of skin almost and it just it left me stone cold i know well i know what you mean i am um, there are there is a lot of albums like just recently the new crowded house single uh, <laughs> they're never knocking out new are they They are they've got new that house they've is got, still crowded it is it's still pretty it's, it's, it's now a bungalow they're that old <laughs> <laughs> But um, they, uh, yeah, they got. They, he's got his uh, sons in the band. Wow, that's how. Imagine going in a band that long. Your sons are in the band. Sons a drummer, and his other son the guitarist. They're now in the band. But uh, original bass player uh, Nick Seymour still there. Um, Mitchell Froome on keyboards. Now um, I uh, <laughs> now that song. I, I give it a couple of listens. Like first time I heard it, I was like, nah, it's all right. I didn't like dislike it, but I was like, nah. nah. But by about the third time I've heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, I like it. But I can't, I'm, I'm with you on that. I can't understand a whole album. I think if that's I've not liked it. Because that's, yeah, that's one someone song. you love, isn't it? So that you are so invested in Crowded House, you don't want to not like anything they've done. Yeah. So you're like, well, I, I have to change me. And I'll do that with comedy. Like, I, I have an a, a affection that you share for Guesthouse Paradiso, the bottom spin-off movie. Yes, yes. And I can, I can perhaps step back now and say that's probably not a very good film <laughs> yeah. you know but i yeah. love it because I, I have just watched it a hundred times and it's rick mail and i will never not like anything rick mail hasn't done but you know you, you were about to say about albums you know if it's a whole album and it's something new and you don't like it just yeah yeah well whole album um uh oh before hang on rick mail 
Uh, yes. What's it? Oh, have you? Um, hang on, hang on. You'll have to edit a bit out, Paul. Well, I think. What's it called? He <laughs> Leave does this in the people should know. Yeah, <laughs> they want to see the process. He does uh, tell stories, kids' stories on YouTube. I've watched. Uh, I, I've tried to get my daughter into um, George's Marvelous Medicine. Yes, that's the one he does. It's brilliant in the car it's superb, on YouTube. Yeah. And I can't. Oh, and it's, it's proper funny as well. And already thing she bailed off, and I, I carried on on my own. She's, she's not into it. Well, my... She's a bit young, I think, and it is at source a story about a child poisoning his grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, oh, he's good in it, and already I can see my two boys loving just the the, the noises he makes and stuff. And I'm thinking, yes. oh, give it seven months, and you're watching bottom. It's going to you blow know, your he's, mind. He's a perfect example of that madness thing. That. There's something in Rick Mail which is for kids, and it's his performance and everything. You know it's for adults, really. Yeah. You know, you sort of know growing up, when he was on Jack and Ori, it felt naughty, because he wasn't, do you know what I mean? It wasn't Philippa, Philippa, Philippa Forrester. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you were aware of her full name. Um, but some some people would read kids stories and you're like oh you're you know Brian Cant is a perfect like he's a kids presenter and you felt warm and you felt like he was your granddad Rick Mail even though he was telling the same stories you thought oh this is naughty somehow this is yeah. for grown ups but I like it and that's that's the same thing as the madness thing I was listening to it thinking I like this as a kid but I know it's naughty and I know there's things in it I don't understand and he's just that perform and I watched that this year the um it must be something to do with lockdown or someone must have written an article because we both found it and i watched it in full and the fact that he's learned it and i think that's such an old school that he had that respect for kids and this was at a time he was doing bottom and he was making loads of money he was massive he's not reading off the auto cue you can see his eyes are all over and he's moving around the set and it was such a privilege you don't know that at the time but i look back now and i think thank god he showed that respect to kids that he's learned that he's not just thought well i'm rick mail if you, it costs this much and i'll come in but i can't learn the whole book so it'll be on auto cue yeah and i'll it'll still do it with the performance but you can see like he's really committed to, and i wouldn't do that if i got offered that now you know yeah, yeah. if i got offered the cbb's bedtime story i'll be like well make it a short one and put it on auto cue and i'll do a couple of funny voices but <laughs> yeah. you know i think that's why you fall in love with him as a kid because like he's properly giving that everything that and his suits all covered in because he's actually mixing the potion and he ends up just covered in crap and exhausted from the performance yeah and that is you know me and you sat here now as guys in their late 20s oh, yeah. still um still obsessed with rick mail that's the seed that was planted then and i am the same with madness now i still i still love madness i wouldn't go and see them live obviously because their fans are naughty <laughs> <laughs> they're a bit elbowy a bit bargy a bit shouty isn't it why are you pushing me why can't you just enjoy that's your space there you enjoy it over there quietly and i'll enjoy it here <laughs> yeah. didn't come to hear you sing did i <laughs> your little hat off go and have a little think about yourself oh that's a good t-shirt for a gig they should sell that i didn't come to hear you sing <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah drives me mad although i did i did have one very emotional experience at a joan armor trading gig where um clang yeah. um, the woman behind started singing willow and i was with my mum and my sister and lucy and they all started crying because she had a really sort of quite nice voice and she was she wasn't singing it to be heard she couldn't stop she was sort of it was under her breath it was quite quiet. yeah and it was like having a sort of backing track because she had quite a nice voice 
Um, but literally everyone else on the planet should never sing at a gig. Yeah. Oh, wow, that is a lovely example. I've never heard that before. They got a crowded house example. Yes. Yeah, bit like that, <laughs> in that, imagine this, Royal Albert Hall, Neil Ooh, Finn, yes. right, he's, played, he's playing Better Be Home Soon. So he's unplugged the acoustic guitar, completely unplugged, and he's playing on his own in the Royal Albert Hall and he's singing really softly. So the whole crowd is singing along, but they're kind of whispering so they can still hear him. The whole oh. of the Royal Albert Hall whispering together. Oh, God, yeah. But usually, yeah, someone's singing behind me. That's, that's, yeah, it's the worst. It's the it worst. It takes a certain... Uh You've got to be in a certain venue to be able to do that sort of acoustic. I'm going to sing it gently and make you. Li they say that about comics, shouldn't they? That when you're playing a rough gig, yeah. the thing to do is speak quietly so the audience yeah. have to lean in. But that requires a staggering confidence to think if I talk more quietly, they'll want to listen. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I always think, well, they already hate me because they're talking, so I'll talk louder so and quicker. No choice. <laughs> yeah, I'll skip louder. to the punchline. Quicker with an element of panic, so they lose confidence in me completely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that's my technique. I went for screech like a hawk. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I saw Andrew Maxwell do that at a student union gig, uh, like a summer ball student union gig, where there's like a comedy tent, music tent, and live music tent. So there's a disco light, and they can just go in and out between them. The worst idea. It works with the others, but not stand-up. Yeah. So the gig was awful, really hard. And he did that. He sat on the edge of the stage and just ushered them in. And it it worked. I've never seen anything like it. And I've still, that was probably 16 years ago, and I've still not got the nerve to try that now. No, you've got to have the gear to back it up as well, haven't you, and the swagger. I think yeah. my stuff wouldn't. I ca you can't really sit on the edge of the stage, beckon people in, and then say... <laughs> You know, uh, you know when you're loaded in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be quite a big story about yeah. you were. You know, Maxwell can. So there I am. I woke up in the fucking desert naked. Then, yeah. like, oh shit, this guy's got stories, but I ain't got stories. So. Yeah, we got. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've got to lean in for this. Something yeah. about a bread knife. You can, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, can re you recline for that. You've got to soak the Weetabix bowl. Sorry, why, why, have, why am I leaning in for this? You know, there's a band on next door. Why, why are you whispering this conspiratorially? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'll just go back into the dressing room. You'll find out when you're older. <laughs> but, uh, what, you, uh, what's the first music you ever bought, though? Because if you, you got oh, into it, you, you got into uh, Madness a bit. That's a, good, that's a good early band. You should be proud of that at a young age, I think. Yeah, madness. but that, you can't be proud of that's my mum. You know, I can't. When you left to my it? own devices, the first single I ever bought was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Um, <laughs> I didn't ask for a single. I asked first out. You could have not Oh, I couldn't that. tell you the first album, mate. Honestly, couldn't tell you. Um, because I just, you know, I was young, it was singles, so uh, uh, I, bought, good... I bought the Blobby single and liked it. <laughs> Blobby, oh Mr Blobby, your influence was spread throughout the land. There's so not, I had that. There's not many people know the lyrics to that. Well, uh, you think yourself lucky I stopped when I did. Um, <laughs> it's only yeah. for copyright infringement, I didn't go on, otherwise you'd get charged. Um, <laughs> first album, I mean possibly... And again, it makes me sound cool, but it's not. It's just because I'm heavily influenced. So I bought Robbie, uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You because everyone else was buying it and it was the biggest single in the country and I liked it. 
it probably the first album was What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis. Because I didn't have a lot of money and I wasn't about to spend 10 quid on something unless I knew I was going to listen to it a lot. So I was more into posters. I was big into VHS. So, you know, at the time, I was a member of a um, pretty exclusive club. I don't know if you've heard of it, the Britannia Video Club. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the back of, like, magazines, it yeah. was thirteen ninety nine a month, I think, and you got five videos when you joined, and then you had to buy a video every month. Oh, I did that with uh, I did that with CDs. Yeah, I remember so that. you could do it CDs or VHS, and that and that tells yeah. you everything you need to know about me. When you were like, "Oh, this is a great way of getting new music," I got Braveheart, uh, Waterworld, um, Barbed Wire, the Pamela Anderson. <laughs> I watched, I watched that in the cinema, <laughs> and I'm not proud of it. With Carl Simons, I still remember who I was with. Ah, <laughs> it, oh, it was revolting. The bravery you have as a kid. I went to watch Titanic five times at the cinema. And what? three of those times were with the same friend. And the idea now that I would say to another man, let's go and watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I knew after three it was getting weird, so then I hit up two other friends and I was like, oh, do you want to go and see Titanic? I haven't seen it yet. Like, how, how come you haven't seen it? And you were you were sort of muttering the words under your breath and you cried before the captain went into the, the steering room to die with his ship. I just knew it was coming. I knew it was going to go down with his ship. I have not. I've never heard anyone who's been to see the Titanic five times at yeah, the I've cinema. As, hang on. So when was that? Titanic was 98? 97. 97? 97, 98. So I would have been yeah. about 15. Um, right. 15, right. So, you know, when a lot of a lot of lads were getting into booze and girls, and I yeah. was... Um, I just wanted to be painted by Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Like one of his French girls. I think it's. I, at the time, I was just convinced this is the best film that's ever been made. It's like an action film, and there's guns in it, and but it's on a boat that's sinking, and it's real, so it's like a documentary. So it's like history. Yeah. You so say, why wouldn't you? That and Independence Day, just two of the best documentaries ever made. You say there's. <laughs> you say there's guns in it. I think there was one gunshot, weren't there? When they were yeah. arguing over a lifeboat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that doesn't make it bad boys, does it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a 15 year old who's grown up in Lancaster, you know that, that looked yeah. pretty sexy at the time. It um, was an event, though, Titanic. To be fair, it was. I remember at the time, it was all anyone was talking about, wasn't it? It was the most expensive film ever made at the time. Yes, I think it was replaced by said Waterworld. Yeah. Um, um, which became, and then I think after that, it was the Grinch purely because of the prosthetics. Um, yeah, but you know that seems a bit disrespectful. Now we have spent more on the Grinch than remaking the Titanic, one of the yes. best, one of the worst disasters ever. Yeah, um, it, well, there's, there was your Edinburgh show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hang on, what year? Ten or twelve? <laughs> Ten or twelve? If um, you're going to insult me, I want to know which one. Um, twelve. Yeah, let's say right. twelve. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. I completely agree. Um, I've just moved house. I've been going through all my old diaries. I found all my old sort of comedy diaries. And there was one Edinburgh that, like, whew, looking back at the notes, I knew going up there, this yeah. is not a good show. But you can't pull out on July the 31st. No, 2012 was exactly that feeling for me. I know exactly. Just it didn't feel right. Nothing going to come. Even my auntie at one point, I was standing at my auntie's house, and she went, 
you didn't really want to come up this year, did you? <laughs> so, so can you sense that just from in the house? I was like, fuck, I can probably sense that on stage, I imagine, yeah, during the show. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But you can't do greatest hits when you're a comic. You know, you can't. There's no, well, I'll just do I'll just do three, three of the best songs from the last album at the end. Yeah, like the Eagles. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> but um, when did you get into the Eagles? When did you get? So you've, so you bought. To be fair, yeah, you said you said that as though I think mo- most people probably, if they were honest, they'd say mostly they bought singles at the start when you first yeah. started buying music. Yeah, you just bought singles. There's not many. Yeah, it was all just singles. That's just a financial thing. I didn't have like, yeah. you know, the idea that I had ten quid to spend on an album. Like, an album was still now. I think an album's such an investment. As in, but when you look at how long an album is, they're only normally when you see how long they are, they're about 40, yeah. 40 minutes. You watch, you watch something on telly for 40 minutes without thinking twice. Well, that's but, it. I knew a video I would watch over and over, and an album was still a gamble. I had like a two week yeah. period where I started getting into like new music, and it was, it was a real concerted effort. It was when Mark and Lard were doing the Radio One Breakfast show, and they had a single yeah. of the week. And I bought them both. And I think because it must have been a cross-promotional thing, but because they were the single of the week with 99p, I can still picture the cassette case for yeah. Mum's um, Gone to Iceland. Um, dun, 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 started with a great guitar riff. Dun, 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 diddle, um, and it's like, it was like a white case, and it had a big that. 99p sticker. So I think because it yeah. was an album of the week, it was 99p, the single. And two weeks in a row, it was the Bennett, which I really liked, and then it was White Town, Your Woman. And that just happens to be an exceptional track. So I was like, yeah. oh, God, I am into music. I just need to find <laughs> the right stuff. And then probably the third week, I didn't like it. So I was like, oh, no, I don't. I just like Pamela Anderson posters and videos. Um, <laughs> but for those two weeks, I remember like listening to White Town, Your Woman. It's just an exceptional track. What is that? I don't um, know that. It's this guy that came out of nowhere and it was like a, an enigma. This track was like, dun, dun, doodle, dun, dun, doodle, dun. I could never be your woman. Da, 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 da. It's oh, and nobody it. knew what White Town was. They were like, "Is it a band?" Or you'll know it when you hear it. It's yeah. very of its time, and it turned out just to be one of the first. Like these, it was just a guy in his loft with a full like editing suite in his loft, and he'd built this track from old sort of samples and uh, vocals and things like that. Yeah, that um, was weird then, wasn't it? Was, yeah, well, that's it. it. Was I remember it being a news story like who is who is White Town, and then yeah. it just turned out it was uh, this guy called Darren from Swindon or somewhere who done it in his <laughs> loft, and everyone was like, oh, <laughs> and it was yeah, so it's... annoying. It's like, well, that song's still good, isn't it? It still counts yeah. that the song's good. And they're like, no, no, we thought it was going to be like this. Do you cool know what? Scandy person. That makes me think that Banksy must be like a real geek and that's why he's so determined yes because a lot of his artwork might plummet in price if they realize he's just called like kevin and he's from Cheltenham. yeah yeah absolutely well he will you know there's a reason he's hiding isn't there people like me and you who you know their their charisma charisma and their sex appeal is you know mm. put that front and forward that's what yeah, they, yeah. that's what the audience are coming for right yeah yeah and yeah. Then, you know the material is secondary you know yeah. he's obviously having to think Better, better not let him see. But he's yeah. still wearing Adidas poppers. Yeah, it's because they're comfortable. <laughs> they ventilate down the side. I like the ventilation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was your first sort of view. So when when so you uh, you got into a load of singles. 
Um, and yeah. uh, and then when I don't know why I don't know why I'm obsessed when when you got into the Eagles, but the Eagles would have been when I started gigging. I think I liked I liked it as driving to and from gig music, and it's why I've never. I just can't describe myself as a music fan. It sounds insane to say I'm not a music fan because nobody doesn't like music because it's everywhere. But I just, it would be fraudulent of me to say like, yeah, I'm really into music and things like that. I just, stuff I like, I like a lot. But uh, Eagles is like, I, I can't have anything too immersive when I'm driving. As soon as I started comedy, that was my obsession. It's all I wanted to do. Yeah. If I have albums on in the car or the radio where every song is different, I can't think properly because I'm thinking, oh, what's the next song going to be? And I might have to change the station and then the DJ is going to come on. And I can't have an album that too changes my headspace because that drive to and from a gig is where the work is done, really. The gig sort of will go how it's going to go, I think. The bit where you work out what you're going to say and what you're going to change next time is to and from the gig. And that means you've got to sort of have a level of headspace that I feel for comics who can't drive because I think you can't do that on a train or if you've got to walk and then get the bus and things like that. That, you know, it's why I love doing gigs, not just because I'm depressed and I don't like my family, but, you know, mm. I like a gig that's four hours from my house and I will drive there and drive back because that four-hour drive back there's a lot of work going on beneath the surface and I'm not writing anything down. It's just unraveling. And that's why I need songs I like, but they're not going to completely take over my headspace. And I think if you're into music, that's what you want. You want an album like we can't think of anything else. And you're getting hairs on the back of your neck waiting for that guitar riff or something. I need something I know well enough that I'm comfortable and the Eagles is that for me. Just, you know, once it starts, I know these songs are all of a certain type and I know them all. And I'm probably singing away and not realising it. But yeah. my head is thinking, you need to change that Twix bit. That's not working. Maybe maybe it's not just strong enough to just do a pun about fingers. Because <laughs> this is the level I operate at. And really, obviously, that's a, that's a metaphor for what we are as people. Wow, that... Um, that may well be one of the one of the many reasons you've done so much better than me at stand-up is uh, <laughs> i think now of how many hours i've wasted in the car because i don't i do the opposite of that where i put music on to completely make me not think about stand-up out of uh I yes. don't know what I always and I think that's what people who are into music do and i think it's what they do when they go for a walk you know if i yeah. go for a walk and i put my headphones in I don't want the music to dominate. I want the walk to dominate because that's when I'm going to have an idea or think of something. And if, if it's a new album that I'm immersed in or something I'm too into, that's all I'm thinking about and I can't have that. Oh, so you really use music as background. Yeah, and that's insulting, isn't it? It's insulting what? to the Eagles to say, I really like your music because I know it well enough that I'm not really thinking about it. It's just <laughs> making me feel comfortable. Um, oh, that sounds like a lot of marriages. Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, you just don't get, you know, uh, both of us now as comics, and there are a number of, uh, you know, uh, things you've said that I want to pick up on about having done better and the, the injustice of it and how good you are as a comic, but I assume your audience know all that. <sighs> but th when you start off as a comic, probably, I think you and Katka were together, weren't you, when you started it, comedy, but you didn't have kids? Not when I started... So you have first like, started, but quite early on yeah. time you can be quite selfish but yes you can't now when you're married with kids as a comic you 
got shit to do. So that headspace yeah. now is even more important. And that's one of the yeah. things I've missed on lockdown. It's not the gigs I've missed, because the pressure of those drives me insane, and I hate myself, and every gig is a chance to think, you're a piece of shit, how dare you charge people to hear your ideas, you tedious prick. But what I miss <laughs> is the, the commute. I really miss that two hours in a car, two hours back, especially that drive back. There's no other cars on the road. It's dark. Just your time to just think and you know you don't get that anymore during the day and that's that i can't write at home i can't come up with ideas at home it just doesn't work for me and if i go to like my office to sit and write comedy i'll just get depressed because i'll be on my own with myself and i'll think oh, you're a piece of shit and i'll write comedy about me being a piece of shit <laughs> and then yeah. you get to a gig and do that and you you've realize, oh, your that. audience don't want to hear you say i'm a piece of shit because they've no, paid you've covered it, it. you've well covered it you've got to come up with different <laughs> yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah that's a fact You've got. I think you've. I think you've trodden this theme before, John. Um, <laughs> but so you is that where you do a lot of your a lot of your ideas is driving? Then you get a lot of your ideas while driving because you keep music. That's really interesting. You keep music as you know what you're going to be listening to. You sort of know it. You don't have to think about it too much. It's in the background, so you're not in silence because that's fucking yeah. weird, isn't it? Driving. I try to do that. Drive in silence so I think about stand up, and I've tried to drive and think about material. And yes, I, have, but I have found what I've absolutely had to. Like, I've got a gig and there's new stuff and I'm like, fuck, I've not had a chance to go through this. I've got to say it out loud to myself. I yeah. have to. And I've got to do it in the car. And I've done it and I've come up with some really good new bits. And yeah. I and I always think I should force myself to do that. And then I get in the car and go, ah, I'll put on Frank Skinner's podcast again. That's my little treat. I deserve it. I deserve this. Yeah, there's some of that. There's definitely so The drive to the gig is very often. And because there's traffic about, you, you've got to sort of pay attention a bit to the driving, which less so on the way home when you're on the motorway and you just point in a straight line. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah. yeah, there's. there's and, and, but silence isn't silence, you see. Music is. will just, you know, calm that. A bit of your brain that is listening out silence is um what's that noise have i got am i about to get a flat tire is that a bird uh, you know the yeah. clicking you know actually your brain is more alert i think in silence because you're expecting something to happen yeah Whereas music just calms that a little bit um oh, but yeah, yeah i don't Calmy is angry so on the way to the gig if i were to be talking through material in the shower and in the car it always ends up with me getting heckled and then me having a massive argument with the person that heckled me exclusively. That's the only way. So I'll, I'll do what you do and I'll start thinking, right, I just need to run through that bit about bunk beds. And then it ends with like, I'll do a couple of lines, someone will heckle me and I'll be like, well, just fuck off. If you're not enjoying the gig, just fuck off. I'm not, I'll give you your money back now. And then yeah. it ends up in, I suddenly realise I'm at the gig and all I've done is have an argument with someone who's not even real. Yeah. <laughs> it's the gig I'm really pissed off. I can only be funny when there are people there expecting to be entertained. Otherwise, yeah. it's just, I'm not a very nice and funny person. On my own, I'm an absolute aggressive, small, angry piece of shit. And there's something about looking out into an audience and seeing a, a nice couple on the front row and thinking, they've had a hard week, they've been at work, this is their treat. Just do some fucking jokes, mate. My so first ever comedy set said, comedy fall onto stage, question mark. And I've still got it. Because I was convinced, why wouldn't you be funny before you've even said anything? And the funniest thing you can do is fall over before you get to the microphone. And I got to the gig, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because other comedians won't respect me. And I still, it's still the quandary I have every gig, is why don't you just go out and be a clown? I honestly, In my head, 
I'm like Harry Hill and Lee Mack, and I'm just right. clownish, and and that yeah. it's a constant. I start writing a tour, and it's all about you know like mental health and like saving the planet, and then yeah. through gigging, it becomes funny because yeah. that side of me is trying to wrestle some control over the material so it's not just a diatribe yeah you have to chip off the edges and make yeah. it yeah yeah i didn't know yeah that makes sense to me that were you that that's a constant battle that you have to not just fall over while walking well, i mean you did have the thing of throwing your hat onto the yeah right I, have start to, of the I, gig. I have to put those in so it's something that is different every night because otherwise i'll just I'll just do the speech. And I, it's because on my own, I'm, and, and I don't know how musicians don't all become Anthony and the Johnsons, because if I was on my own writing a song, I wouldn't write I wouldn't write madness on my own. I wouldn't naturally go to that place where I was like, I'm going to write a really upbeat house of fun. You know, I'm going to write a really funny song about puberty, but it's madness. <laughs> that is a good That's, point. Imagine writing that on your own. That, that, when you think yeah. about that, actually, that doesn't make any sense. You must be fucking annoying to be around if you can write that while you're on your own. It makes well, you much must more be sense. stimulated in some way, yeah, which is why yes. there's probably the link between stimulants and music, because you can't, you can't naturally, if you can, then fair play to you, but you can't naturally shift your head into that space of, ah, yeah, everything's great, isn't it? Ooh, a few beers, sun's shining. Yeah. I'm just not there on my own. I'm just like, ah, fucking hell, we're all going to die. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps having a child is the ultimate act of cruelty because they're going to die. So I've created something I love and she's going to die one day and that's my fault. So this when sounds you have like a kid, a, you've killed your own kid. You're this like, sounds oh. like a Smith's B-side. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Everything <laughs> would be the Smiths with me. Everything would be the Smiths. Except, that make, except the politics. But when you've said it like that, that does make complete sense. That, yeah, music should be like that. You know, it's weird. People who write really uplifting, <laughs> chipper music. Like, you think like that on your own, you fucking weirdo. Yeah, and thank God they do. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know if there are musicians that have the same process as comics where you've got to do the gig. You can't tweak a song like you can a bit. You know, I'll get into a bit and think, oh, the funny bit here is that bit. It's not what I thought. I thought this was a routine about, you know, well, aging. They... But actually, yeah. the funny bit is when I go to the toilet. So I'll do, that becomes the bit. But I don't, I don't know if in a band you can't suddenly... I think they do do that when they play it live. They come back to a song and they, they like, like um, uh, Kelly Jones on an interview recently, he said a thing that I've never thought of. He said, you Leeds write fan. a song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You write a, <laughs> you write a song, Kaiser Chiefs, Leeds fans. More obvious did example. Did um, did uh, you write a song, record it, and often that recording is like the only, like the second time you've ever actually played it. Because musicians, they write it and go, I oh, fucking get it down and go there yes. like that. And like 15 years later, you've got to be playing that and going, how did we not think of this bit? And like, yes. like material, like a stand up. How did I not? This song's actually about this. Yes. So they must do that as well. But yeah. If you, do, so we're saying about you going to live gigs about people singing along. Yeah, that's hard work. Yeah. And um, have you got, what's the first live gig you went to? Oh, that is a very good question. Or one you remember, an early one? I honestly don't think it was until I started doing stand-up and you'd sometimes be on, you know, if it was like a, a comedy, a, a festival in a town. That was and the first be time doing, you saw music? I think I probably didn't go to a gig all through school. Because it no, just I never... Didn't. It's the same with football. I went to one football. So I count myself... You know, I've been a Leeds fan since... 
I was about 12, but I didn't go to games until I was well into my comedy career because I just couldn't afford it. It was ludicrous. I didn't live in How'd Leeds. you get there? So the idea that yeah. I had the money for like 30 quid for a ticket and the coach and food was just, you know, it, it, it was, it's not like poverty. Like yeah. We had food and I had a normal life, but the idea that you got... And it was the same with gigs. I look back now and I think being the age I am, and loving that music as much as I did. How did I not see Oasis live? How did I not? I was born in 82, so late 90s. I was, you mm. know, I was turned Perfect. 18 in the millennium. How did I not? It just didn't occur to me. It just wasn't part of my lexicon to go to. And maybe it's part of growing up somewhere like Lancaster where you didn't get that sense of there wasn't a lot going on. You know, I, I didn't go and see comedy. I didn't know comedy happened live until I went to uni and there was a comedy club at uni. And I was like, oh... So Lee Evans does yeah. gigs. He goes yeah, yeah. to other cities. I thought he just released a DVD. I didn't realise there were gigs all over the country. And then you find out there's a circuit. And you're like, oh, the thing I like is the weird bit. Most comics don't release an album. The circuit is the thing. And then yeah. you're like, oh, well, that's amazing. And it's the same, I'm sure, if you if you love music, you get into that live scene. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. No bollocks to CDs. This is, I just want to go to gigs and get pissed. And yeah, I, not... by the time that would have happened to me, I was gigging. And as I say, comedy just took everything. But I do remember staying behind once after Bath Comedy Festival. And there was a band on called the Blackfoot Brothers who were, um, it was like country music. And it was oh. just amazing and i google them now every now and again and i'm sure they disbanded they were probably on together like a year but i bought their cd and i have it on in the car and it's oh, nice. really really uplifting and i absolutely loved it and that was probably one of my first gigs which is insane to say i was in my early 20s and i only saw it because they were on after me in the room no i my first gig i was like 20 i think right so i was the same because how where how was what was your nearest like big town where you could go and see a gig where you grew up what was the nearest i mean had i been into it and i'd locked there probably were bands i mean there was a sugar house in lancaster which was like the student club so yeah you know, but you wouldn't know that was there the though, would you? i wouldn't know um no. so manchester would have been where like the big bands you know chesney hawks probably did a gig in manchester at the time i had a chesney hawks poster on my wall um but you know i mean i didn't prize that information out of you you've just volunteered that up um <laughs> i want that to be clear you know i call it, again i'll go back to my my two boys with music i refer to cheese as chesney hawks i'll go do you want some uh chairs on that some chesney hawks <laughs> on your pasta <laughs> And they didn't know that he's an actual person. I put that song on, it blew that. It's still a brilliant song, that. Yes. Love yeah, that song. I'm glad you said that. And, and, um, all, and all his other ones. <laughs> yeah. Whatever they were. Apparently, I heard, uh, I was at a gig and I heard he comes over and does like the equivalent of musical corporates in December. He'll, do, he'll come over to England once a year and do a load of corporates where he'll earn good money because he's Chesney yes. Hawks and people know him. And he starts on that song... And he ends on it as well. Good and man. There's nothing in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fine by me. Just that's do it an ten interval. Times. Yeah, yeah. There was another one, wasn't there? Was yeah. there a song about his relationship with his dad or something? I seem to remember. But that that you could listen to that song ten times. That was a great song. I wouldn't want to see Chesney Hawks now. In my no. head, he's still. Like, yeah, it's like he's a, he's got a bit of Macaulay Culkin about him, isn't he? He's yes. Got, he has to stay at that age forever. Yes. And we yeah. hate him if he doesn't. Yeah, why are you getting old? That must be yeah. man getting old. So, yeah. Piece of shit. 
tabloids picking on Macaulay Culkin. You're not eight anymore, you liar. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean you fault? smoke? Yeah. You piece of shit. You're not looking after your parents' house. Um, you could be being fantastic, burgled. Fantastic documentary about Home Alone on over Christmas. Did you see it? Was there? No. I know, I know I how... On. Isn't that that's your uh, decorating the Christmas tree Home Alone goes on? That's your start of your Christmas period, isn't it? Home Alone's my cheeky... It is a Christmas film, but it's not, if you know no. what I mean. So, no Christmas films until December the 1st, but Home Alone in November, if, you, if you're ready. Yeah, it's um, acceptable. Yeah. Technically. It was really good. In fact, I never knew that John Candy, it was so busy at the time, but he really wanted to do the film, so they had to do all John Candy's bits in a day. So they did like a 23-hour filming day where they're like the airport bit, the bit in yeah. the car, and he was the only actor who was allowed to ad-lib. So all his, like, uh, the songs he's listing, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Poker, poker, <laughs> kiss me poker. All that is he was allowed to riff because um, he'd worked really? with Catherine O'Hara before so that she felt comfortable like oh, I'll just let him do it and I'll just pull faces what was this What where was this documentary on I've got to watch this um, Channel 5 I think um, oh, I would watch that I think it's called like the greatest Christmas movie of all time or the greatest kids movie of all time something like that it's good good bit of telling oh, I'd watch that um, wasn't asked to do the talking head but that's fine haven't been asked to be in the remake but absolutely fine not bothered yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that I mean I mean, you've publicly expressed your love of the film on numerous occasions I on know. various t TV shows, but nothing, nothing. And just... Labyrinth, and His Dark Materials, nothing come, and they're making His Dark Materials now. And I, I, I messaged Philip Pullman that he, he started following me on Twitter, and I had to message him and say, "I think you're amazing, and I think that piece of work is exceptional." And I thought he'd say, "You should be in Series Three, and he didn't. So here I am. On this what? podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This nice. is my way in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll retweet it. Um, uh, I, uh, I think, I, yeah, I messaged you about, um, about um, hang on, uh, what's he called? Drop Dead Fred. Yes. About, because I hadn't seen it for a while. Is that acceptable for a nine-year-old? And you were like, yeah. It's gonna... the theme of depression and yeah. There's a bit of suicide in there, isn't there? And yeah. It's not the cobwebs up the fanny. I think that's absolutely fine. Um, yeah, yeah. For a nine-year-old. But I think yeah. it's the sort of antidepressants and... Oh, I don't think I could watch it now. Now he's gone. I haven't really watched Drop Dead Fred for a while. And I think now he's gone, I don't think I could handle that. I think I'd be in bits. Yeah. I haven't I haven't been able to watch um, Gestel's Paradiso. Have you not? Since, no, yeah. I haven't watched that. But because I remember watching that very early on in the cinema so i have a very clear memory of it yes as a kid watching it that's my clear so yeah i'd find that a bit i was convinced i was going to meet him so comedy is my music and it's like the way people talk about when bowie died yeah that's how i feel about rick mail that was like a seismic oh, yeah fuck yeah i know i get i get upset i've been up hang on dog wants to go i get upset about when musicians die go on then <laughs> when else are you on a podcast when the host just goes to let the dog out with a sentence um, don't get me wrong I'm upset when musicians die yeah we're talking about I was about, just filling for you we're talking <laughs> facts <laughs> talking about the death of Bowie and that I've got to let the dog out but um, I, um, I've i been upset when musicians have died but I've never been as upset 
of uh, anyone dying than Rick Mayle. But he, yeah, he was properly, he was uh, the reason I wanted to be, not the reason I wanted to be a stand-up, but he was the first time I remember wanting to be funny. Yes. Just wanting to be like him. Oh, it's Just, a job, and you do that all the time. Wow. Yeah. 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 But then I think he was he was our generation in a comic in a way that the big musicians that have died haven't. Bowie wasn't ours. Prince no. wasn't really ours, I'd no. say. We were slightly young for Prince. So I don't yeah. think many of our generation have gone yet. You know, if like one of the Gallagher's went or something like that. that don't would say be it. Our, don't even oh, say it. They're never going to. They're, no, no. They're, they're invincible. Yeah. Um, they're, so, that, they're that northern. They can't die. And they can't even get ill until they finally reunite and do a gig in a venue that I would go and see them at. Yeah, like yeah. the Royal Albert Hall, somewhere that would force people to behave in a way that I find appropriate. Well, this this is what I want to know about you going to sit. One of my, one, what do you think of this? As a, I imagine you have to. Have you gone to see gigs on your own? Because I imagine you would Almost have to plan a gig. Yes, yeah, I went to <laughs> yeah. see the best gigs I've seen uh, were on my own. I think some of them, like I had tickets to the Oasis at Finsbury Park, right, in 2002. And then my mate got a spare ticket. His brother couldn't go for the day before. So do you want it? I went, yeah, yeah, go on my own. Yeah. So yes. I went on my own on like the Friday. I loved it. Went with other people on the Saturday. And I was like, oh, that was much better yesterday. These pricks want to go to the toilet. Yeah. I'll, I'll, like, again, I like the drive and I like I book a little hotel. I've driven, I drove to Southampton um, to watch Rufus Wainwright. Um, you know, I'll happily just make it a little trip on my own I, yeah i'm the same as you i absolutely love it and i don't i'm too nervous of if it's someone you've recommended oh yeah you've yeah. got that thing of are you enjoying it enough to justify me having brought you here or if if it's someone who's recommended something to you you feel obliged to like enjoy it in a certain yeah, way yeah good point good point yeah you be allowed to just be yourself I and mean, once you get and I, and I think it's probably only people who do jobs like ours that are comfortable enough in their own skin you know, once you've got used to being on stage on your own and being that exposed, being yeah. at a gig on your own, it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. I don't care. That's and everyone else, point. by definition, is watching, so nobody's watching you. Um, yeah. That's so, yeah, point. I love a, love a gig on my own. Yeah. and uh, I like gone. sitting down. Yeah. Yeah, prefer sitting down. I like going with... Yes. You might have the same thing, I don't know. I, I like going to gigs with my wife, but... Um, the problem is a lot of people will have this with their wives where they're constantly I can't see I can't see you know for fuck's sake um, well, well me neither in our relationship <laughs> <laughs> usually the man would say like oh will you stand here I'd be like I, I can't see either because this, <laughs> this little girl in front of me is <laughs> and now I just can't see anything excuse me 12 year old could you just could you you're asking a 12 year old to move she's got pigtails they're, they're obscuring <laughs> yeah yeah i um we had an incident this is my most and i wouldn't i would never tell this story anywhere else other than to you on this podcast but um i've heard you ask other people about the best gig they've ever been to and we got invited to um when prince was doing um some warm-up gigs i think he had a big corporate in the uk so he put in like two for charity uh warm-up gigs and one was at coco in camden and oh. the organizers must have emailed my agent and said invite all your acts um rsvp here and i'm not gonna lie to you i probably still wouldn't have gone um had i not just met lucy and i thought 
this makes me seem fucking cool if I say, do you want to go to a Prince gig on a Tuesday? Um, so, do you want to let the dog back in? Uh, he wants to go out. Did you hear that? <laughs> go on then, fucking go out. We're, we're mid Prince anecdote. Go, go, go then. Go. It's raining. Dog don't oh, want to go out. Go, good boy. Go on then. I mean, my wife is here. She could be dealing with a dog. Um, uh, so you, oh, that is good. So I took uh, it. Early on, early on. Oh, that's an impressive. Yeah, we've day, been together like a year or something like that, less than a year. I was like, I've been invited to a Prince gig. Do you want to go? And she was like, Fucking right. Oh, not I've oh. not not I can get tickets. I've been invited. Yes. To seek for. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you also think, well, if I've been invited, then every fucker's going to be there. So, um, on the subject of like not being able to see, I was still like. I don't know, it's, it's North London, so we're going to have to be a bit of a walk off the tube. Anyway, we decided to go, and then on the night, she was really ill. She had really bad sort of stomach pain. She was like, I, I really want to go, it's Prince, so I'm going to go anyway. And we got to, like, somewhere on the sort of northern line, and I was like, are you honestly, we had a moment where we were like, should we just turn around? Cause, um, and then we got to the gig, and it was fucking heaving as you would expect yeah. and I was we were sort of outside on the street because we'd arrived late because that's what we do because we don't plan properly and we don't leave on time but that's a different story um she had tummy ache so I didn't feel I could make a big deal of it um we were like out on the street I was like this is ridiculous we can't you know I can't even hear I could hear he was doing purple rain and I was like you might as well be stood outside a fucking all bar one listening to it. We're not even at the gig, so let's just go. And then Alan Carr was being led through, and he just went, "What are you doing back here? Now there's a side entrance. If you got a purple wristband," and he grabbed me, and I grabbed Lucy, and it was like the tornado scene in like Wizard of Oz. Yeah. He just he was being led and he grabbed us like a saviour. And he was even dressed in like an all white suit. I remember it like Jesus appearing, like parting the crowds. And he led us down a side tunnel and we came out of this door literally like at three or four meters from Prince on stage. And it was and I honestly would have just been like I'm not going to ask anyone. I was too embarrassed to say, like, uh, I got invited, and we allowed to... Had yeah, our car not arrived, I would have 100%... Yeah. We'd have gone to the Thai restaurant down the road and had a bit of dinner and gone home. And he grabbed us and led us down. And it is... Not only is it the best gig I've ever been to, it's the best gig I will ever go to. He did every... He just started off and went, we're going to play 13 hits back-to-back. And Fuck. that's it. He just... He never stopped. He did every... He did uh, nothing compares to you. It's a big moment where... As you're watching a gig, you know this is definitely the best gig I'll ever see. Oh, 100%. And it was, uh, it, and it was my height, which made me love him even more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, it was, and then he, he had about two or three songs left. And even, even then, this is what a piece of shit I am. I said to Lucy, should we get out before, before it gets busy leaving? Um, and she was like, no, we'll no. stay to the end. I was like, agreed. Um, no, that that sounds bad now in the cold light of day. Yeah, that sounds bad now. But when you're there and you're in your brain, you're weighing up the tube. Yeah. The amount yeah. of people coming out, getting onto the tube. They never show that when they show live DVDs or football matches or live gigs. They never show the people filing out to miss to get on the tube. I had that Paul McCartney at Hyde Park. 
I was edging towards oh. the side going, yeah, but think of the tube. I know he's playing back yeah. in the USSR, but come on. And it's ridiculous. Frog End with a but, frog one, so I can, <laughs> yeah, so I can make a run for it. But um, but you stay for you stay right to the end. Stay till the end, and not only that. Just after that conversation, looked to my left, and there was a gentleman there, also of my height, um, and I prodded Lucy. I was like, "That's fucking Noel Gallagher." And Noel Gallagher was stood right next to me, having cut short his own gig. Because I'd Googled earlier that night, he was playing the Roundhouse in Camden at the Road. Oh, I heard that, yeah. And I said to him, like, aren't you supposed to be doing a gig? He was like, yeah, I cut it short. The crowd's still in there waiting for an encore, but I've gone out <laughs> the back door because I want to see the big man. So he's <laughs> fucked his own audience off to leave by the back door and come down to watch the last few songs of Prince. And then he said to me, um, you're that comedian, aren't you, Martin something? And that remains the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. For Noel Gallagher, albeit he thought I was called Martin, and I think I probably do look like a Martin. I think I probably am spiritually a Martin. Yeah. But to be half recognised by Noel Gallagher at a Prince gig is like, I'm done. Don't need to go to any more gigs. That's my... That's the one. When my daughter is like 25 and she's sickened by every noise that comes out of my withered, ageing body, and I'm still asking... At your wedding, can we have Crazy Frog when we walk down the aisle? And she goes, you're such a piece of shit, Dad. Then I'll pull out the Prince anecdote and she'll be like, oh, maybe, maybe my dad was cool once. He's just a sad bastard now. You have the Prince anecdote that I was a, a VI invited to a Prince gig and recognised by Noel Gallagher. <laughs> Watching your Fucking dog tear you shred. He's knocking your pictures what down. What the fuck's he doing? He's never done this before. <laughs> He's going for a fly. He's going for a fly. Right, oh, wait. Yes. This will take literally one minute. I'll take him in the house and that'll be it. Oh. Hang on. Right, get in the house. I can hear an awful sound now. Did you hear the episode where he threw a chew for him? No. <laughs> it made even more noise as the dog chased a chew around the floor of his wheel. Yeah, he needs like a rug out there to absorb the uh, the sound of the... the what are they? They're not claws, are they? The nails. They yeah, yeah, the nails, yeah. Clacking yeah. on the wood. Yeah. That's what it sounds like when I go for the toilet in the middle of the night now. <laughs> Dry skin and old man nails. <laughs> Every pissing week... <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to pretend this doesn't happen often but it's every week Paul doesn't even flinch did you look at Paul he didn't even he was like yeah this this is going to happen but um, yeah one of my best ever gigs I'll tell you this quick actually involved you oh um, really yeah it was uh, it was uh, you'll like this as well this is right it was V-Fest now V-Fest Chelmsford I didn't know what V-Fest Chel I thought Chelmsford sounds quite and I forgot that's Essex <laughs> it's basically a civil war V stands war. for Vivaldi I assume yeah oh god it's a civil war of chavs isn't it it's pretty pretty hard going and I did the Saturday did the comedy tent and then you've got the pass for the whole weekend mm -hmm. so this is how you do a festival you go for one day where you've still got access to the backstage area of the comedy where I come and see you so I had a nice chat and hang out with you for a bit. And Danny from Off The Curb, we had a chat and talking and stuff, having a bit of a laugh. Uh, I said, can I, can I have a sandwich? Danny's gone help yourself to the backstage catering. So oh, I've got yes. backstage sandwiches and water and a clean toilet, right, at a yes. festival. Oh, then yes. I've got to see Stereophonics, who essentially oh. are on second from last. So 
plenty of elbow room. Emily Sanday has been on just before, so that's full of Essex. Read all about it, read. <laughs> Men singing to their girlfriends from a metre away. And uh, so they've all cleared out because stereophonics, they're not that into that. And I realised a lot of these people weren't born when the first album was released. So I've got, yes. I got to that stage at that point. So watch them. They've finished. Brilliant gig. Bit of elbow room. Driven out. No traffic getting out because no everyone's staying for Kings of Leon who are on last. I got home at the minute the sat nav said I'd be home, which was, <laughs> which was quarter past ten. I remember because Tesco's Express closed at half ten. I had time to go and get some lager on a Sunday. Oh yes. Went home and we watched Stereophonics live on DVD. What a night! <laughs> what a night! It's no, that it's is. no being at a Prince gig, being recognised by Noel Gallagher, but it's up there, isn't it? What do you know? What that anecdote says to me? I did V Festival the same day as Stereophonics, and I did not stay and watch Stereophonics. <laughs> I can't. The, the same anecdote for me is I died on my house at V Festival, had a chat with Birdie, and then drove home in a pissy mood. It's a very different day, yeah. 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 Festival gigs for comics are bloody awful. I hate them. That's the problem. You see the bands who are on, but then you're not in a mood to watch after you've been on. Yeah, you just well, want to get it. out of there. Every, every festival, I just, I, you know, and you're right, the thing to do is take the gig, but go on early on a Thursday while people are still setting up. Get your gig out of the way and then just go to the festival as a punter because yeah. you can't. I, I've never had a good enough gig at a festival where I thought, well, I can't show my face here. It's like the <laughs> apocryphal stories of comics dying on cruise ships and like... Yeah. Well, now I just live with you for a week. <laughs> yeah, now I've got to have breakfast opposite you. Yeah, but, um, see you at the Acropolis. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, um, I can't. I, um, but, so I would say one day we should go to a gig together, but what we'll do is we'll both go to gigs individually on our own and report yes. to each other about how they went. And then we'll let's, compare notes. Let's agree on that. Absolutely. So we went Oasis Reform. Yeah, and they play um, somewhere quiet, like one of the warm-up gigs. I imagine they'll do like a nice theatre somewhere. They'll do, yeah. Say they do like the Palladium as a warm-up. Yes, we'll, we'll go on our own separately. Yeah, I, we'll either the word. same night, even different nights. I had so we can compare. Did Fordy tell you this story when he was on? Because I don't think he's ever forgiven me, but he had a ticket for me for Oasis um, at Wembley, and the day before the gig, he said. Um, just so you know, we're, we're down down the, the front. We're going to go down the front in the middle. And he said, there is a chance, just so you know, to dress appropriately that you might get hit with some piss because people throw piss. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad you told me because I'm not going now. <laughs> and he was like, you're joking. It's Oasis at Wembley. I was like, I wouldn't. There's not a gig in the world where I will tolerate being hit by piss. And he was like, you probably won't, but some people do get hit by piss. So just wear like a cagoule. I was like, absolutely not. If the people are throwing piss, I'm not going. And he was like, you joke. We had a massive argument about it. He went to the gig, turned to his mate halfway through to say, this is the best gig I've ever seen. Pint of piss right in the face, <laughs> all down his back. <laughs> and he told me that. And he was still laughing like, oh, you should have been there. I was like, I made the right call. I'm, I, you know, and I still now as an Oasis fan will say, it's not my time to see them yet. And I was, <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't there because that piss would have gone on me. <laughs> so. Even a speck of it, you'd have been near enough. Wow. That, yeah, absolutely. That very much sums up you and Fordy. And what's funny is I agree <laughs> completely with both of you. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I, still not sure I made the right call, but I will say this. When I drove to see the Proclaimers in Warwick, mm-hmm. nobody got hit with piss. No, no, no. So there was it a better gig? There was you an orderly queue for the men's toilets and a lovely conversation was had yeah, in the absolutely. queue. As you discuss some of, of the hits they might play. A couple of very angry Scottish people asking for songs that weren't very nice about the English. But <laughs> apart from that, we had a lovely afternoon. <laughs> hey, John, thank you very much for coming on. What a pleasure. Thanks, I appreciate mate. it, mate. It's just good to talk to you, if anything. I know, it was nice, wasn't it? We should do yeah. this again sometime in real life. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.